Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is an outtake episode. I was on Hobby Hotline with John Newman and Corey Donovan, Yamwax. We had a wide-ranging conversation. We always have the callers as well as the chats and comments coming. It's a live show, and it, it goes around. And after an hour and something, sometimes I'll pick off a 10- or 12-minute uh, segment that I think is different from what I've talked about in the past that might be of interest. So thanks, Corey. Thanks, John. And uh, thanks, uh, contributors, listeners, participants. This was the part of the conversation that got into the Ryan Cracknell's research on the explosion in parallels, specifically with Panini, but I think uh, all products over the last 10 years have gotten more complicated. And uh, we'll see how that goes. So listen in to the conversation. Thanks, sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Beckett Media... ComC, Burbank, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage, Augustin Scott, all of those benefit in some way from the complexity of the hobby in that it means more SKUs, more opportunities to sell different things. And uh, the card companies, thanks to them, there is increasing complexity. And as I said, the big issue is it's great if there's more cards when there's more collectors. If we start having less collectors, you can't have more cards with less collectors. That's what happened when things slowed up in the early 90s. So let's uh, keep that supply-demand equilibrium good. If you have 10% more collectors, you could have 10% more cards. But if you have 100% more cards and 5% more collectors, that doesn't work. So enough of my uh, soapbox. Thanks, co-hosts. Thanks, everybody. And here is the outtakes from that particular Saturday. Ivan Lovgren and Rob Bertrand do a great job uh, with that show. Thursday show, Ivan announced that he would be stepping down. He's not leaving the hobby. He just has some personal things going on, and he's going to be stepping down from uh, that post. Anyone that knows, he has uh, twin boys, and him and his wife are expect uh, a baby this year. When you do this, you realize all three of us and, and a lot of other content creators, it's not as easy as sometimes we make it look. There's a lot of research, and it can be a grind uh, sometimes. So I want to acknowledge Ivan's contributions to that show and the hobby. I, I just think we need to not make it hard for people to take a break. Even though this is the greatest hobby in the world, it, it shouldn't be the most important thing in your life. So it's an important thing. And if somebody wants to take a break, like you said, John, some of the stuff in podcasting, people think it's easy and it's hard, or they think it's hard and it's easy, but it's a labor of love. And Ivan really uh, put himself into it. So I don't want to make it difficult for him to take a break. The circumstances of life, the hobby is what gets in the way of your family more so than the other way around. Encourage him to do what's best for himself and his family. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, he's a smart guy. So whatever he decides to do, it's going to be in the best. Like you said, uh, he's, he's a family guy. It's going to be in the best interest of his family. You know, I've always said when the time comes, there's going to be nothing on my headstone that says great podcaster, great collector, great hobby content creator. I hope it says a uh, very good husband and father. And that's where uh, the focus uh, needs to be uh, because that's in the long game and, and the short game. That's what it, it really needs to be about. The present football parallel and variation. Ryan Cracknell did, as always, does a great job at, at tracking some of the things. He checked historical data for the past couple of years, total number of different cards for present football, including parallels. In 2017, it was 8,300. In the next year, 2018, 9,100. In the next year, 2019, jumped to 13,400 and change. 
2020, 18,754. In 2021, it's almost 24,000. We've seen this uh, number go up. They're just making different type of parallels. We've seen zebras and leopard and tiger, name your animal refractor skins. But a lot of people are concerned that maybe they're just making a lot more each year. And Prism always is that premium feel sort of based wasn't overproduced or, or the demand outweighed the supply. 2021 Prism football just hit the shelves a few months past the Super Bowl at this point of the previous. It's just a bellwether of the printing of product pushing back almost a full season cycle beyond the season. What does that mean? The other topic, of course, is is this overprinting and just seeing that steady rise over time since 2012 prism prints. He's not even looking back that far. And to me as a collector, that makes me even more interested in some of those early years of prism. Some concern about the overprinting of prism, what that means, people getting too excited at launch of these products. We just saw prism WWE come out at astronomical prices, single selling for incredibly high prices. Does that have sustainability when we've never really seen wrestling pop right out of the gate like that? And I imagine we're going to see very similar single sales on some of this prism. And when there's 32 different animal prints of an individual card, how special is each parallel as this count grows and the amount of product on the shelf booms. But at the same time, it shows the demand of whether it's the hobby or the prism product. This product, it doesn't collect us there at Target or Walmart. It, it sells and then there's a healthy secondary market in the moment. And we'll see where that goes. People do rainbows of their favorite player. They're super collectors, and they have to get that rainbow. It used to be a lot easier. It used to be five to ten different cards potentially, and now it can be a rainbow. It could be probably seventy-five, a hundred cards now, and that's crazy. Even if I was going to attempt it to do that, that would be pretty discouraging to know. Even when you knock off five, I still got seventy more to pick off before this is ever complete. If it's ever going to complete. That's without even factoring the, the cost of that. Take the cost out. It's a daunting task just on the quantity alone. But Dr. Jim, your thoughts uh, on, on some of these numbers Ryan uh, brought up here. It's a different application of what has happened, uh, I think, my whole hobby lifetime, is that generally the hobby has had an onward march, that there are more cards printed. Not necessarily, this is about more different cards, but just the production quantity of Prism each year has increased that's probably healthy for a hobby. But what the potential criticism is, which didn't happen to tops in the 50s and the 60s, is that the sets were not more complicated each year. They're just, they've just printed a little bit more. That's why older was considered better. With Prism, the same level of Prism card and serial numbering or tiger stripes or whatever, those ratios evolve to where the, the product is so much more expensive. You think it's the same thing as the year before, but they're making more of it. And there are more different cards, more complexity, and it costs more. And so even with these really strong brands, which Prism obviously is, collectors and you know dealers even need to be thinking, okay, let's do the math on this. Because every year, it's squeezing a little bit more. I don't think people try to collect complete sets of most products anymore and certainly not master sets, but I don't even think people aspire, they could aspire to have a full rainbow, but that's not even realistic if it's a popular player. There's too many people, who, they're one of ones and very short numbered things. It's in effect changing the way people collect. It's affirmation that the older prism, the better in the sense of scarcity and, and potential relative value. I applaud Ryan for putting it out there because 
an informed collector can say, you know what, either that's making these current years look overpriced or the older, earlier Prism cards. That's the WWE thing. If you get a first Prism card, that's a thing now. Yeah, look what UFC did out of the gate Prism-wise. Just Even the second year product was four figures, a wax box. We're seeing singles that aren't even rookie cards just bringing crazy money. We see more people go back to some of the earlier Prism releases and, and try to pick off singles or just for what they're going for. It might be a better value play. Hey, there's a less of these and the price doesn't reflect that as much as the overprice of some of the, the newer current stuff. Might we see people do that? It'll be interesting to see that dynamic. It's not deterministic. Basically, you have greater supply and greater demand for this year's cards. And so to compare to a five-year previous card of the same brand, the same serial numbering, the same parallel, the same color, whatever, again, there's less demand and less supply. And so is that an equilibrium where the cards are going to be the same if it's the same player, a non-rookie? You just need to do that analysis and say, how bad do I want this card? What is the, how do I collect? What's the nature of my collection? If I'm a player collector and I don't have it, I'm going to try to get it for a good price. Your positioning makes me think of what a lot of companies are facing in this inflationary environment right now, and companies are always doing to consumers, which is, you think of like the product managers for a Snickers bar. They're thinking right now, do I drop this thing five ounces to 4.5 ounces to still make our margin on the sales, or do I raise prices? Now, consumers hate both. Uh, I think they really get duped, though, when you get that Snickers bar out of the machine. It's, it's a little bit smaller for the same price, and right now, people are paying the same prices or more for not shrunken product, but shrunken scarcity in this case. And that's interesting economics for these companies, but the fact is there's still demand so they can do it. Well, and, and there's more chase cards. Ryan, had, it didn't segregate it out, Cracknell, of how many of those 24,000 or 18,000 or 13,000 are numbered to 10 or less or whatever. Because a lot, And some of the animal prints, you don't even, they don't disclose, I don't think. But of the really tough ones, they're, they're putting more really tough ones in the products. Otherwise, they, they couldn't justify the price increase. Yeah. And I do love the approach of uh, flipping through dollar boxes, five, ten dollar boxes at shows. And um, when I find a chunky 2012, 2013 prism card of a good player stars, I never feel bad about picking those up at shows because I just feel good about where those numbers are. People do rainbows of their player. It's a, to the point now where they're probably not even going to try. It's just, hey, like Yam said, I'm at the show. I'm looking through a box. If I see that card and it's a price, I'll just pick it up and, and I'll get what I'll get. To get 50 different ones, it's a daunting task. We're just talking about uh, more player collectors now versus set builders. I used to build sets when I was younger and had more room. I have less room and less time, so I, I don't do sets now. I, I just buy individual cards. Are any lessons to be drawn from the high inflation of the late 70s and today in relation to the hobby or the errors too different to learn from the past. I think the bigger issue is just the economic uncertainty, less confidence in the stock market. It's not a single issue, but when you're in a high inflation period, you want to own stuff rather than having cash on the sidelines because your cash is eroding in value. And the stuff, you'd think, well, I'll buy public company stock. I'll just buy and hold. That hasn't worked so well the last few months. But cards, 
we know because we're into it is it depends on what cards. If, if you've got the wrong stuff, it's it can be going down in value as well. You've got to have some knowledge. It's just like you can't say, I'm going to buy some stocks. You need to have some concept or strategy that I'm going to buy blue chips or something. And there's equivalent strategies in sports cards, whether you're going to buy new or vintage or unopened. It's the greatest hobby in the world. It's counter-cyclical. It's also cyclical. <laughs> it, it can work either way. But through it all, I think us guys and many of the listeners are going to continue collecting. And whether it's collecting, investing, dealing in that order, we're all secretly or not so secretly pleased if things go up. And if it's an inflationary environment, we'd expect them to go up. The man-